and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand chum, the slightly tanned, bearded legend, Mr. Paul Levy. That's not in the script. Um, <laughs> hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the first episode of 2017. This is episode number 89. It does seem like we've been off for ages. Wow, yes, thank you for pointing out. I have been away. <laughs> Much needed break uh, in the sunshine. Um, we've got four games, uh, sorry, three games to catch up on. No, four. Oh, four games. Yeah, Beg your pardon. Correct. Um, lots of news from around the club, so let's not dither. Any further, let's begin with our full and comprehensive roundup, as always, with our friends over at the Supporters Club. Yeah, so Supporters Club, um, two trips to tell you about. The first is uh, Portsmouth, so coaches are running to Pompey this Saturday, 14th of January, for a 3 pm kickoff. Coaches leave Brisbane Road at 10 30 am and will cost £21 or £18 for concessions. And then, secondly, coaches to Plymouth on Tuesday, the 14th of February. Coaches leave at 1pm for 7.45 kickoff and will cost £30 and £27 for concession. So if you've got a loved one and you want to show them a good time on Valentine's Day, <laughs> take them down Home Park. There's a £3 <laughs> surcharge to non-members uh, for any tickets booked. So you can book at any home game in the supporters club or by ringing the travel line on 077 are probably the best grounds to go to in League 2 in terms of Pompey and Plymouth so the championship grounds really yeah. aren't they so if you the can't afford it yeah. get yourself down there so we also had an email from the Orient Trust so thanks to Howard Gould for putting this together for us just to bring you all up to date with all the great work that he yeah. and the team have been up to um so during the Christmas period, those players brought some cheer to those unfortunate enough to be in hospital. Robbie Weir, Nicky Hunt and Callum Kennedy, along with mascot Theo, popped to see the children on the Starlight Ward at Whips Cross, while Jay Simpson, Gavin Massey and Sam Dolby visited the children's ward at Homerton Hospital before meeting some of the staff and patients in the RNRU, which is the Regional Neurological Rehab Unit. Yeah, also flag bearers and penalty takers at the Crawley and Cambridge Games were all winners of our Theo's Junior O's Christmas competition and it was great to see our young fans enjoying their experience in front of the Xbox crowds and that must be amazing if you're a young kid getting yeah, yeah. on the pitch and taking a penalty. One yeah, day, dream. one day we'll get on that pitch, mate. <laughs> yeah. At the New Year's Eve game, I need to join up, join up with Theo first. Yeah. At the New Year's Eve game, the new East Stand Fans for Diversity Hub hosted staff and young service users from the Red Dragons football team. As far as we know, this is the UK's first specific football team created for children with DCD, that's Developmental Coordination Disorder. It's a condition whereby children experience difficulties with motor control, motor coordination and motor skills and the impact this has on them participating in sports and physical activities. The football team is an innovative collaboration between the Children's Occupational Therapy NHS Service and the Leighton Orient Trust. So that is utter innovation if I ever heard it. Fair play, brilliant, yeah, fantastic. And finally, we'd like to wish the under-13 girls football team from Stoke Newington School the best of luck on Wednesday, so that's tomorrow, so tomorrow when they represent LOFC at the area finals of the Plus Sports EFL Girls Cup hosted by Mill FC in the community. So if the girls win tomorrow, they move on to the regional final in February and end with a chance of playing the national final at Wembley Stadium prior to the Checker Trade Trophy final. Amazing. So good luck, girls. Uh, good luck, yeah. State to the State Newington yeah. School, yeah. Absolutely so, outstanding. Yeah, we'll be to, keeping uh, an eye out for that. Yeah. So it's been three weeks since our last podcast, so um, let's crack on with the weeks that were. 
pre-Christmas, the under-18s kept up their unbeaten streak by beating Gillingham 2-1 with goals from Amin Ben Youssef and Captain Charlie Barker on his first start since being out for four months. Yeah, so, so his recovery yeah. uh, there. So that's great. A few of the youth were also on the move as they were sent out on loan with Tristan Abrahams joining Cambridge City. Sam Alderson and Rian McLean joining St. Neot's Town. Sam Roach joined up with Histon and Pat Adamson joined up with Soham Town Rangers. So Tristan and Sam and Rian and Sam, they're all uh, and um, Pat, they're all gone to Cambridgeshire based yeah. clubs, which I'm a little bit surprised at. It's not too far, I guess. It's well, not a million miles away, but I thought Essex clubs would have been possibly rather than Cambridgeshire clubs, because Cambridge would have just a curious as to why they're going up to Cambridge based clubs maybe there's a link there somewhere yeah. if you know let us know so Monday the 26th of December so Boxing Day so hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas uh, day so that was Crawley at home Boxing Day uh, team lineup of Chizak and Goal back four of Judd Mezegay Parks and Hunt midfield of Massey Collins <coughs> Asangana and Semedo with McCallum and Dolby starting up front subs Sam Sargent Ivan Erico Robbie Weir Josh Caroma Ollie Palmer, Jordan Barry, and Mr. J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Four changes from the defeat at Wickham as Teddy Mezegay made his first start for the O's as well as 17-year-old Sam Dolby. Yeah. Thoughts so, on the team? Loved it. Loved it. When I saw that team, I was like, perfect team. Yeah. Correct decision to drop Robbie Weir. Um, looking forward to seeing Teddy make his first start um, for your own. And a huge call for Andy in starting Sam Dolby. Um, so well done to Andy Edwards. And also to Errol McKellar for calling this back in June when we sat in your front room in the last podcast of last season. And Errol was like, watch out for Sam Dolby. When it before that, when it last year he came in Maybe, and said that. But he, he definitely call. called it. Great yeah, call. yeah, yeah. He knows that he's got an eye for a, for a good player. Your views? Well, for me, I was on a plane when this happened. So I didn't even, I got on a plane at like 10 o'clock yeah. and I didn't get off till. Right, okay. Uh, I know, 11 o'clock and I didn't get off till 3 o'clock. So I actually. The team was announced and the game was played by the time I'd even got off the aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I looked back and saw it, I thought, like you, very, very interesting lineup. Dropping Simpson for Dolby, with, uh, obviously, this is at that time. Yeah. Massive, massive call. Yeah. On paper, not a strong bench, in my opinion, but bold and brave. Okay. And I think he, he was he was trying something different. And I'll never criticise someone that, 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 yeah. that tries something different to get away with something that isn't working. Yeah, definitely. So before the game kicked off, there was a minute silence in memory of Peter Braybrook. Uh, and for the O's fans, we've unfortunately lost uh, in the past year. So obviously Paul was on a plane I with two young daughters that haven't able to get out anywhere uh, at Boxing Day, especially yeah, football. No so we didn't go to the game. But Cliff Weston, who is the Orient Outlook podcast chauffeur, although he's got to start getting his duties in line because he's, he's, he's not he's, done a job in a while. He's been, he's not had the, we've not had the need to call on him. He sent us his match report... Uh, <laughs> Which was great. So he starts off by saying, well, what a game of football today versus Crawley. A confident Orient first half and a shaky Orient second half. Went on to say the first half started with us defending the goal at the north stand, shooting towards the south stand. Got off to a good confident start of Massey getting a lot of space on our right wing straight from the kickoff. And in the third minute, Crawley won a free kick on our right about 25 to 30 yards out. But in a position that you would float the ball in and not directly have an attempt at goal. Ball was floated to the far side of our area, which Orient only partially cleared to our left wing. Then Hunt went to put the tackle in, but fouled with this. And Crawley ran the ball back into our area. Hunt did well as he tracked back. 
won the ball back and passed it out to Semedo, who started to run up our left wing. There was no one in front of him, but Massey was clear on the right. Semedo then tried to do a crossfield pass to Massey, but it was cut out by a Crawley player. But lucky enough, it fell off Atangana to pick up the ball and immediately play Massey in on the right wing, who picked up the ball and ran with it before putting in a delightful ball for young Sam Dolby to put it into an empty net from three yards out. And a very good move by us, and it was 1 0. And that's four minutes gone. Yeah, Sam Dolby. All that in four minutes. Sam Dolby on his professional debut. First touch, practically. First, First touch. Goal. Great ball. I will say, Matt Cliff gets it spot on there. Yeah. Superb ball in for Massey. What a dream for Dolby. Good finish. And yeah, four minutes. Dream in. start. Dream Why start not? for all concerned. Two minutes later, Massey put in an excellent cross from the right for McCallum to head. Uh, back across the goal with ex-Auric keeper Glenn Morris beaten but unfortunately the ball went just wide and then in the 11th minute we won a free kick which we quickly which we took quickly catching Crawley out as it was played out to Massey on the right wing that was Collins quick thinking if I'm not mistaken yeah. um, Massey took the ball on the right wing towards the area before playing a low hard cro- before playing a low hard cross to McCallum to flick the ball in past Morris from six yards out for the goal and 2 0 to us. Yes, cruising. Flying start. Good finish there from McCallum as well. Very good. Very uh, confident young man, Mr. Yeah. PMC. <laughs> so, Cleveland, on to say we had a lot of the ball for the rest of the half with Massey getting a lot of time on it, especially down the right wing, putting in a good number of crosses that we couldn't convert to attempts on target. Five minutes injury time were called, and in the third minute we had a penalty shout when yet again Massey crossed from the right, to which McCallum jumped for the ball with a Crawley player. McCallum headed the ball downward with the ball, with the ball striking the Crawley player's hand but no penalty was given. And then 90 seconds later, the ball was played down the right. Massey got the ball, ran into the area, and was tackled by a Crawley player who came sliding in on Massey, who, but clearly winning the ball before connecting with Massey, and the penalty was given, which McCallum coolly took with only a two-step run-up, but before confidently placing the ball into the right corner of the goal, giving Morris no chance, and it was 3-0 at half-time. I have to say, that it didn't look like a penalty, I think and it... the handball that didn't get given was the penalty. Yeah. So I think the referee's just balanced himself out there. Yeah, I agree, but great great point from McCallum. Not, not a big run-up, and very well placed into the corner. And the one game we don't go to, obviously sitting in the south stand, we scored three goals in the first half. Yeah. But we miss. Okay. Great so, performance. TV camera may prove me wrong, but the handball instant looked more of a pen than the actual one given. I'm inclined to agree there. Second half, uh, well, it was like we're a different team. We came out and let Crawley run at us. We stood off them and played deeper. In the 54th minute, we failed to clear the ball as it was played in from our right wing by Crawley with Parks going to clear. But right at the worst moment, he slipped. No, no fault of his but he just managed to get his head on the ball and flick it behind him, stopping the Crawley player behind him running onto the ball for a certain goal. But unfortunately, from the flick on, the ball fell to a Crawley player on the edge of the area who played the ball in low and hard for Mezegay, who was heavily challenged by the number seven, uh, by the Crawley number seven to slice the ball into his own net from a yard out. If that didn't happen, then their number seven would have scored, so it would have been a certain goal either way and having seen that back as well I'm inclined yeah. to agree yep so Crawley pulled one back and then in the 78th minute a long goal kick from Morris somehow split our defence with no one picking up the ball or the Crawley number 7 who got the ball calmly rounded Chizak uh, and slotted into an empty net for 3-2 and a nervy last 12-15 minutes for Orion after being 3-0 up at half time mm. typical Orion this season yeah. got to say that's just the way it's going isn't it very Jekyll and Hyde yeah it was a nervous finish to the game as you just mentioned but we held on for the win we had some chances in the second half with McCallum missing a free header in the 57th minute from 6 yards out from a mat for a cr- following a cross from Massey he should have scored to make it 4-1 at the time and Massey had a long range effort go wide in the 65th minute and also the pen shout in the 60th minute which was waved away so Cliff's 
noted positives from the game. The result, of course, and in the first half we played with a lot of confidence, which has been missing from our game. A good team performance. Everyone was excellent today. Massey was man of the match without a doubt, closely followed by Judd. I have to add about Judd. In the second half, he was clearly targeted by Crawley as our weakest link at the back and they kept putting in high boards towards Judd for their two main strikers to attack and to knock down for any advancing player to run onto in the area. Judd is not the biggest, not tallest of right-backs, but he was excellent today, especially under the pressure he was placed under by Crawley. Also during the first half, around the 30-minute mark, Hunt was getting on-field treatment for a knock, and while this was going on, all the Orient players went over to the bench getting a drink, but more importantly, getting instructions from Andy Edwards. Not seen that from Orient in a long, long time. Also good to see Mezegay start. He looks a good player and not at fault for his own goal. Good to see Edwards' belief in younger players by starting with Dolby and also getting what I believe was the first goal for the first team. Yeah, it was his first goal there, mm. Cliff. He was sub-10 minutes into the second half, which I found a bit strange, but the lad did well. So that's probably down to fatigue, you know, playing 60 minutes of men's football. Take it out of you if you've not, never done yeah. that before. Um, just under 4,500 attended today with 295 Crawley fans. And negatives from the game. We sat back in the second half, allowing Crawley a lot more of the ball and allowing them back in the game. Our defence still looks shaky and the second goal should never have happened. We also picked up a number of bookings and the ref, Trevor Kettle, was awful. I could do a thousand word essay on how bad he was. Cheers and up the Orient. Cliff, so thanks very much for your review, Cliff. Yeah, Cliff, got everything nailed on there. Um, and after the match, Andy Edwards said, we asked Paul McCallum to compete and be the target man and rough the two centre-halves up to an extent. I thought he was excellent and we fed off him well with the wide players and the support from midfield. It was good to see him get two goals. Yep, so that win meant that we climbed up to 19th in League 2. Full league table roundup. We'll do that at the end of this episode because yep. obviously it's academic now. So normally you get Paul's views and in my views and in your views from the Crawley game because we've got so much to get through because Cliff done such an excellent job in his match report. Don't really need to do that for the Crawley game. So yep. that is that done. Only one correct prediction uh, for the Crawley game on Boxing Day. So well done to at Paul WE underscore UK who predicted 3-2 to Orient and Paul McCallum to score. So he got four points in our prediction league and there'll be a full prediction roundup. Uh, at the end of this episode as well. Yep, following the match, Gavin Massey was named in the EFL Team of the Week, so well done to Gav. Yep, and we also received an email from Dave Hodgson titled Boxing Day, Reflections of a Long-Time Orient <laughs> Supporter. So he uh, went on to email us by saying, Paul and Steve, don't you just love this club? They provoke every emotion available, anger, frustration, jubilation, relief, tears... I've experienced all these things watching the O's play in all four divisions of English professional football since the late 50s. Even having sat through the last couple of traumatic years, the Orient will always be my club. Before the game on Boxing Day, I noticed Dean Cox sitting in the gallery. Walking past going to my seat, I called him over, shook his hand and wished him all the best for the rest of the season. I had a quick chat with him regarding Burgess Hill, the injury etc. He said how sad he was, the way it all ended. A great lad, Coxie. He will be missed. I was encouraged by the first half display against Crawley. Best 45 minutes for some time. I just hope Andy and Danny are allowed to get this great old club back on the right track. I wish you both a very happy and prosperous 2017 and keep up the great work with the podcast. Dave Hodgson. Lovely. Yeah, lovely email. Thanks very much indeed, Dave. So we're going to move on now to Saturday the 31st of December. This is New Year's Eve. Cambridge United at home. Team lined up with Chisak in goal. Hunt, Mezegay at centre-back with Parks and Judd. Massey, Collins, Atangana and Semedo with the midfield. And Dolby started again with McCallum up top. Substitutes for that game were Sargent, Errico, Kennedy, Weir, Karoma, Bowery, 
and Palmer. Yep, so team unchanged from Boxing Day against Crawley Town as Callum Kennedy returns to the bench following his groin injury. The big talking point, I think they've got everyone raving on social media, on forums and mm. Facebook and Twitter. Jay Simpson wasn't in the team. Wasn't there, not in the team or in the bench. We had a few tweets about him uh, leaving in the January transfer window. Obviously, this was all prior to January. Obviously, more on Jay Simpson later in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> the best way to say that. So, um, Paul was still sunning himself up on holiday with his baby oil and his baby lotion out. Listening on the sun lounge. <laughs> you were actually, weren't you? Still I was. There? Genuinely was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was there in the cold. In the cold. In the cold. Um, so my thoughts on the game. Um, thought we were great for the first twenty minutes. Really played well. Crowd was up for it. It was loud actually. It was really good, and we looked good. We were playing some good football. Um, we had the best chance of the match early on when Samada was played through on the left, but he had a good shot saved. He didn't really look that confident, but he took it on. I think that made their keeper work. That's quite a statement about, in my opinion, how he's been for the for the whole of this time. Really, I think he's lacking confidence massively. massively. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a big from big the thing from him. the player who started the season to Samedo now, just like two different, different players. players. But yeah. again, it's his first season in professional football. A lot has gone on at the club. Probably does take it out of you. Yeah, uh, and it's slightly against one of play. Cambridge took the lead through Harrison Dunk as their number twenty six, who was this big powerful forward. He powered into the box from a throw in. Uh, took a few challenges ball kind of went loose in the box fell to Luke Berry who was outstanding uh, who had two shots blocked before the ball came out to Harrison Dunk who started it in we were goal down out of nothing typical I you know. heard a lot of people talk about Luke Berry he had quite a match very good very good I mean to be fair we gave him a lot of freedom but he, he was running into all the spaces and played really well behind their front men uh, and that goal seemed to knock our confidence massively on the pitch Cambridge started to come a lot more into the game more and more and you can see what they were doing and they were doing it well big physical forward Luke Berry into the channels into the gap um, and like I said just being unmarked and basically running the game and then things got worse uh, as Teddy Mezegay went off injured and on came Ivan Erico uh, a bit of a surprise that one as Kennedy could have come on and gone left back and we could have moved uh, Hunt who was playing left back into centre back but instead Edwards chose to bring Erico on so Edwards, to a certain degree, must rate Erico to a point. Otherwise, I don't think he would have brought him on. Oh, he didn't want to risk Kennedy Possibly. for so much of the game. Possibly. Because yeah. um, I can't stand... I, I say I can't stand. I'm not a fan of Erico yeah. at all. Although, I think Erico's done right in the last couple of games. Um, also made a note saying Samedo was looking isolated at times. And Hunt, obviously playing behind him, isn't a fullback who's going to overlap and make runs around the back of him, like a Judd would or a yeah. Kennedy would. So I think Samedo was having a hard game in that one. Um Parks looked very assured with Teddy next to him, which is interesting because when he's got Ivan Erika next to him, he doesn't look half as confident on the ball. And you can really notice that Parks is a bit flappy, shall we say, when he's next to Erika mm. as opposed to next to Teddy. Yeah. So, so not much happened in the rest of that half and went in 1-0 down, which was a bit unfortunate. But once Cambridge got that goal, they were well on top. Attendance was 5,987. Mm, so decent attendance. A lot of away fans, 1,391. So Massive away following that. They pretty much sold out there. And so... Mm. Second half kicked off with no subs, but in the 51st minute, Sam Dolby took a knock and got replaced by Oli Palmer. I thought it was probably a game that suited Oli Palmer more than Dolby. It was like quite a physical game, so okay. I thought that sub would have happened anyway. It just sums up our season that someone else, fresh, gets injured. To be fair, it didn't look, it didn't look that bad. He kind of went down. 
and stood up. But then when he was walking off, he was having a bit of trouble walking. Um, so we obviously wish Sam all the best. Yeah. Um, but I understand why Palmer came on. Much better suited to Palmer than Bowery at that point. Uh, so even though Samedo was having a poor game, he delivered a peach of a cross in the 59th minute to show what he was capable of. So he got the ball down low to his feet and didn't try to run his man, just looked up and put a superb ball in the box. Obviously, no one was at the end of it. Um, but <laughs> super, of course, it was Orient. Super <clears throat> ball. And I did notice that Ollie had a decent impact up top. So obviously, we started playing a long ball a bit more, but Ollie was winning more headers than what he was losing. And he was giving him a bit of trouble. So okay. Ollie made a good impact. In the 63rd minute, Cambridge had to go all out correctly for offside, and mm-hmm. the flag was up when the ball was in the net. Uh, but they were looking the more threatening team, and they looked comfortable. Just a minute later, Nigel Atangana, who did have quite a poor game. You know, Nigel hasn't been the kind of he same hasn't. player. I don't know what's going on with I don't Nigel. know what's going on there. Um, but to be fair to him, he made a fantastic block uh, in the area from Luke Berry's goal-bound shot, which was going in. He just had Chizak to beat and out of nowhere Atangana put his body on the line and got it out for a corner. Okay. That was definitely going in and that definitely would have been 2-0. So, okay. well done, Nigel. In, in the 67th minute, Semedo went down injured and on came Josh Karoma in a like-for-like swap. And I made a note that I think Semedo needs a rest as he, as he looks knackered and he doesn't have a full-back picking up his run. So he was looking more tired as the game was going on. Um, in the 69th minute, should have been all over. Should have been 2-0. It was a great counter-attack from Cambridge. Saw a ball goal across the goal. Chizak was really caught in no man's land. Really poor out from Chizak. He didn't know whether to come or to leave it and he kind of done a bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Ball went to the back post for Dunk who should have scored with his header but he left it a bit too late. He made the angle hard for himself and he then hit the bar. So massive let off there. And in the next 20 minutes were comfortable for Cambridge. Berry kept making his runs. Their forward kept holding up the ball. Uh, and in five minutes of injury time were added. This and is the near, best bit. This is the best bit. Out of nothing really, yeah. out of like three minutes of pressure, I would say, where we kept lumping it up and really kind of going at him and the crowd really behind the team. 94th minute out of nowhere, Massey played the ball into the box. The ball got knocked down to McCallum, uh, who seems to get bundled over, and there was loud shouts of a penalty that maybe distracted the Cambridge defenders or whatever. Ball came loose to Palmer, who just hit it sweetly first time. Into the, yeah. got, the ball took a slight deflection, straight past the keeper, and all we saw was that net Russell in the north stand. And everyone just went mental in the south stand. It was brilliant. It was like we'd won the game. Everyone was just going ballistic. And obviously the Cambridge fans were giving it the big end for like the last like 15, 20 minutes. Brilliant. And yeah, and amazing. The elation in Grand Canaria was palpable. Yeah, I, I can I imagine. I was clapping. I, I didn't want to go, yes, because I was in a really quiet yeah. area uh, in, in the hotel. Um, but yeah, I was absolutely elated. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolute justice. Because Dave, Dave Vick, because I'm listening on Orient player, Dave Vick doesn't go, goal for later. He doesn't mention the word goal. Yeah. Um, because that's not how BBC London want it yeah, to yeah. be recorded. So I was like, is it, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, it was brilliant. Goal. Yeah. Such a great moment. And then that was it, mate. Massive celebrations. 30 seconds of the match left. Referee like blows up. And we need the point. Yeah, yeah. it was brilliant. So... My thoughts quickly, great game, and it felt like we snatched a win as opposed to snatching a draw. Big credit to everyone on the pitch, as under Alberto and under Hess, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have got that point, I don't think. And you could feel that things may be changing at Brisbane Road. The atmosphere and the outlook was so much more positive. I thought we played well against decent opposition. I must say, I thought Cambridge were one of the best sides I've seen this season. I thought they were excellent. Uh, Atangana was a bit sloppy, so was Semedo. Callum always makes me a little nervous, you know, he's always got that bit of trouble in him where he's getting a bit aggy with a defender or he's talking back to a referee or whatever. Um, Chizak, I thought, actually looked a bit suspect today. Um, his distribution was poor at times and didn't come for crosses. I thought Erico, even though you're not his biggest fan, he done very well actually when mm. he came on, considering he had to come on without much of a kind of warm-up. 
and he was on against a big, big physical strike. I thought Erica had done very well. Um, Judd done well as well, as did Dolby and Karoma done all right when he came on. So all in all, a very decent point. Um, and yeah, my final point was all the best teams in this division that I've seen have a midfielder playing behind a striker. So Plymouth have uh, Graham Carey, who does that job amazingly well. Uh, Luton had McGeehan playing behind the striker. Yeah. And Cambridge have Berry. So I ended up on my notes saying, we need to find one of those. And okay, if you find one of those and you're laughing, but where, the, where, where are these players? Well, that, that's it. We're missing yeah. the creative spark that that we um, that, that other teams that are doing well have. Yeah. Um, people that can unlock and find a bit of space and unlock, unlock defences. Andy Edwards said, post-match, if we had lost the game, I wouldn't have been too disappointed with the performances, but we got the equaliser and I thought we deserved it. We maybe had the better of the chances and certainly had more corners, but it just seemed we had a bit more. When you're playing a team doing so well with vocal support behind them, we knew they'd be tough nut to crack. Fortunately, right at the last minute, we got the breakthrough. Yep, yeah, and then on Francesco Bichetti, and Edward said he watches the games live. They get streamed to his house, so I'm sure he'll have an opinion and some views on it. He cares passionately about the club and has invested a lot of money and like all of us has found it difficult. He's got a stick from some quarters that at the moment he prefers to watch from the comfort of his living room. Yep. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to read into that, I guess, but um, we're, we're tight for time here. On Jay Simpson, Andy said, Jay has asked to leave the club, so I thought it would be best we didn't include him for the match. That is all I will say on that one. Yeah, and then I think the day after that interview the club's official Twitter feed then tweeted on New Year's Day saying to clarify Jay Simpson has asked to leave the club but no transfer request has been submitted it's a bit of a strange one there that one yeah I don't um, know why the club felt the need to no, write that neither do I neither do I it's a strange I one I don't there. understand and obviously as we've already alluded to more on Jay Simpson later yes absolutely so the league table that draw meant we slipped down to 20th in the league so there's one spot but we're four points ahead of the relegation places and a much better goal difference than the teams below us. The full table um, roundup will be done at the end of this podcast. Yep, so slightly more people predicted uh, this result correctly than one of the Crawley results. So well done to O's fan basing at Leighton Orrery, at Only One Team, at Tommy T. Leaf, at Jelly Dar, at Lee Gibbs 1, at Samuel LOFC 97, at Steve Cab 121, at Les underscore Bristow, at George Sessions, who scores his first points on the hey. ball. Well done, Georgia boy. At Rich P242. And at CM Oriental, who all predicted one all. But nobody got the bonus point because nobody predicted Oli Palmer to score out of the ones who predicted one Shame all. on you. Shame on you all. Right, Monday the 2nd of January, we had the long journey down to Exeter. Exeter away. Yeah. Uh, the team lined up with Alex Chisak in goal. Miles Judd, Parks, Erico and Hunt with a back four. Kennedy, Collins, Atangana and Massey in the midfield and Palmer and McCallum up front. Subs were Sergeant, Pollock, Weir, Ochang, Kuroma, Bowery and Adebayejo. Yep, so a free change from the Cambridge team as Erico, Kennedy and Palmer came in for Mezigay who got injured against Cambridge, Semedo and Dolby who both also got injured through Cambridge. Obviously this match was just two days after. Uh, Adebayejo was named on the bench after being recalled from his loan at Margate. So for me... I like it. I was looking forward to seeing Kennedy on the left wing, and you know, obviously we write this pre-match. I thought it was a strong lineup. I thought that Nomo maybe could have been worth a punt on the bench. Yeah. Um, but that was it. Your your views on that? Yeah, I think it looks a bit makeshift to me. Uh, I'm not keen on Erico, as I said earlier. So him being included in the side really, really concerns me. Yeah. Um, why not have a Nomo on the bench? Yeah. So you made the same. That was a name, mis- uh, a name that, that that was missing as well as you've as you've mentioned a moment ago as well. So 
yeah, when 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 you need a little bit, maybe we haven't seen enough of a Nomo. Maybe some people have seen enough of him and made <laughs> his mind up, made yeah, their yeah. mind up about and don't want to see. I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is, but we had a few tweets, quite a lot of tweets actually, but there were four in particular that we've picked out. Yeah, yeah. So lots of views coming in. Obviously, a lot of people excited about the game following yeah. the Cambridge result, and obviously yeah. a lot of people off. So at Billy Herring 3 said that's a really slow team with Palmer and McCullum up top. I would have liked to have seen Karoma out wide, but we'll see how it pans out. <laughs> Good point. There, Good point. Yeah, Joe Jessner sixteen tweeted as saying, "Lot of people mentioning Karoma. What has he done to suggest he can make an impact in the first team yet? Correct lineup, in my opinion. Yeah, so Joe's that's a bit that. harsh." Possibly, but then, but then you've got an experience, someone like Callum Kennedy experience on that wing. So it's a bit of a difficult call, that one. I can, I can, you can see the argument for both, really. Yeah. Uh, Vince Howard, 73, said, far too defensive, and as long as they keep tight on Massey, the front two will be feeding off scraps. It's almost like Vince can see into the future, almost. It almost is, yeah. At Leighton underscore Eos said, I think Andy Edwards has got it spot on with the players at his disposal. Consolidate for 60 minutes, then use the pace from the yeah, bench. Yeah, another good point. That's maybe why Karoma was on the bench to kind of... Absolutely, you know, to come in against tired legs. Absolutely. Yeah. So we won at this match, um, but we've been trying to speak to people who are going to matches at the moment. So uh, you probably know of him on Twitter, at Matt Bristow. does a lot of analysis uh, does Great like blogs, analysis does fair. videos now as well well worth um, reading of viewing so he was at the game and we thought rather than us kind of read out what happened in another match because obviously there's so many matches to get through we'd have Matt talk about the Exeter game so here is Matt Bristow um, on Exeter away so Matt Exeter 4-0 loss thoughts on the game? Uh, very poor started really badly they had a chance quite early on and then first goal pretty much killed any stuff in them. they dropped and then it was literally just one-man traffic, really. They, they let uh, Ruben Reid, who had a good game here at Brisbane Road first, for the first game, was allowed to run pretty much riot. Played Watkins in a lot of the time. We were lucky to be 1-0 down at half-time. And then, like again, second goal straight after half-time. Killed the game off. Killed the game off pretty much, really. That's all. And then, sort of, that's, it was going that way for the second half. We'll see, it's got the third goal from the penalty spot. Uh, I think Parks brought down Watkins yeah. again. We came on, then went off quick, quite quickly afterwards with his injury. And then it wrapped up 4-0 in the end. So it was, was very, very poor. In, initially, when you saw the team sheet, what were your thoughts when the team was announced? I wondered why Kennedy was on the bench, because I would have put I would have put Hunt inside and played Kennedy left-back. I would have, wouldn't have played Show because Show didn't play against Cambridge. He was brought on because Mesigay yeah. was injured. So I would have played Hunt inside and Kennedy left-back. But then, it's who would you play left wing? So it's whether you would play Karoma and actually giving him the opportunity or not. But I think Exeter might not have been the right decision to play for him, to play there. You just give him a start at home first. So, and then he's, he's tried Jordan Barry in the wing before, but Barry is poor against Wickham and poor against was here, was poor against, is here as well as well. So I wasn't quite sure what he'd actually do because we're that threadbare of numbers. I guess the most disappointing thing for me was obviously the four goals all seemed pretty defensively naive or poor defending, really. I mean, the, the, the first one was just ball across the Ball across the box, he ran in front of Nicky Hunt, nipped in the scores. Yeah. Second one was nipped in front of Judd from a from across. Third one was a penalty. And the fourth one was poor mid- yeah, midfield player in the middle. We gave a ball to Antangana, Antangana's poor pass, no, intercepting and through ball. So they were all very poor goals to concede. Any positives to come out of the match in your eyes? Uh, Chroma's last 20 minutes. Yeah. Very, very bright when he came on. Albeit 
he was given a ball and you were playing a team that are 3-0 up but he looked, he looked very bright when he came come on so it's whether or not you're giving him, like, him a start today um, give him a start today see what he can do I mean Judd, Judd's been tri- Judd's done really well since he's come in so why not give him a chance so that was Matt Bristow's thoughts on Exeter so obviously Matt was at the game and that was recorded before uh, the Barnet game on Saturday so in case you could hear any background noise yeah. on programme sellers that was because that was done uh, <laughs> by the programme seller in the South Stand. So thank you uh, for Matt on your thoughts yep. on that game. So Andy Edwards after the game went on to say we were very flat. We expected to come in and get something. We knew we were facing a side who started a run against us back in November. So we knew it would be a tough game irrespectively of them only winning one game at home up until now. We expected to get something out of the game and the performance and the result was far from what we expected and what we hoped for. So following Andy's interview on BBC London we had an email from Dennis Gotts, who sits behind us in the South Stands. He says, Steve, Paul, the use of the word unavailable, and he uses that in inverted speech marks, he says, by our succession of managers when referring to certain players is both inexplicable and somewhat disrespectful to fans. In Andy Edwards' depressing Exeter post-match interview, he used this term when referring to a nomo, and I think he owes fans a fuller, he owes fans a fuller explanation. Has he been instructed not to name him in the squad? Is he injured? I fear Andy is being dictated to in the way his predecessors were. Despite a slight upturn in performances, the tone of Andy's interview gave the strong impression that he's been that he's being dictated to. Very worrying times and I fear for the future of our management duo. If it is possible for Dave Victor to quiz Andy further when the term unavailable is used, then this would please a lot of fans. All regards, Dennis. Yep, so cheers for your email there, Dennis. If you want to email us, if you have any points about uh, anything on Orient, you can email us at orientoutlook.com or you can give us a tweet at orientoutlook. So um, that defeat meant in the league, we stayed 20th in League 2. And again, one more match to go and then the full league table will be revealed after the Barnet review. So Mr Levy, your thoughts on the Exeter match? Yeah, I was quite furious actually. I was really furious and even when seeing the goals back it made me even more angry. It seems we take one step forward really and one step back. You know, players are at fault. They let Andy and Danny down badly in my opinion there. Um, I feel sorry for the hardcore fans who travelled all the way down there and came back with, with nothing really. Also concerned that Andy hasn't spoken to the chairman about new players. Maybe Rob Gagliardi is speaking to the same rubbish agent that gave us Eriko Jansen Benedicic. So maybe he can delight us with more spectacular failures later on this month. And without going on a massive rant, you know, I don't really know what else to say. You know, we've taken the two the two games, Cambridge and the momentum from Crawley, uh, from Crawley on Boxing Day. Um, potentially a very successful period for us, you know, a win, a draw, and Four points out of potentially six. another draw yeah. would, would would potentially um, ha- have been fantastic for us. So, um, but, but but that wasn't meant to be, and it's just very frustrating and, and upsetting because it just feel that some of the players are just hiding or lacking or just yeah. not. Okay, your thoughts? Um, yeah, prior, I mean, prior to this match, Exeter had only won one game at home in the league yeah. all season. And they'd only scored five home goals. Exactly. All so season. we've we've helped them nearly double the amount of goals they've yeah. scored at home and double the amount of wins at home. So I, mean, I mean, I thought we had a great chance of beating them based on the way we were playing. Um, but the most disappointing part, and I said it in an interview with Matt, all four goals defensively were poor. Very poor to concede. Um, defend and the defending was really naive, you know, and very disappointing after two decent home performances. I thought we defended well uh, against Cambridge. For me, you know. 
Erico is always hugely criticised. I know you're not a fan of him. I know people we sit with aren't a fan of him. I know most people aren't, but Parks is getting away with not murder is a stupid word. See, Parks is getting away with lots because because Erico is perceived as so bad, and to a certain extent, he has been. Although not every game for me. Parks, you know, conceded a penalty, yeah, I agree. and people go, "Oh, it wasn't a penalty though." Well, he still sticks his leg out, still concedes a foul in a stupid area, regardless of being in the box or outside the box. I think I Parks has been very disappointing for me, even more disappointing than Erico. And I think Parks is escaping, you know, because he's not a Gagliardi signing. Because why would he be? Because he's not foreign. I think Parks is, you know, just for me, you know, the centre pairing backs have had a tough day. Judd's had a tough day. But you know he's only seventeen, but second year has been caught out at the back post, and every match we always come out saying, "Oh, at least Nicky Hunt done well at the back." But the other three or the other two have to step up and be counted for. Mm. Um, and I, I finished by saying I feel sorry for the two hundred fifty nine travelling fans who should be reimbursed, you know, or or have their travel or a free ticket for a certain game. It's only two hundred fifty nine fans. It's not going to kill the club. It's a bank holiday Monday. Exeter's a massive mission to go to, and seating lose four nil. Bit rubbish, really. I know yeah. you can't really. You know, never going to know what's going to happen in a football match. But it's a disappointing defeat to run yeah, up on. Agree. So your views. So we had loads of views after the Exeter game. Uh, obviously, we can't use all of them, but we'll use a few of the selection of the most topical ones. So starting off by saying at LOFC nineteen seventy eight, who said, "O's fans logic. We win and we all help Andy Edwards, and we lose and it's all Bichetti's fault." H- hashtag Orient hissy fit. At Orient Chris, it was dross, sadly. Players don't look bothered and fans have every right to feel the same way. Crowds will drop. At Joe underscore Pabbitt, said both sets of players retired, which is why we need a good transfer window. Get Dunn and Simpson out and get some new players in. At Johnny underscore 2699 said, Terrible result, but typical knee-jerk reactions on Twitter. Just had two decent results. People need to stop overreacting. At Andy underscore PO16 said, A huge month ahead now for Andy Edwards. Makes you question what anyone before him has seen in many of these players. It's going to be a tough four months ahead. Yeah. Best snooker JP said, Playing two matches in two, not enough time to strengthen the team. Injuries didn't help. Still believe in Andy Edwards with transfers coming in. At D. David Yu said, is Francesco Bichetti still bothered? Question mark. If he isn't, which it looks like he is, then the window could just come and go, followed by our league status. Jamie Stripe tweeted us saying, our squad is injury hit, but where are the players Gagliardi brought in when Cox was shown the door? Are they not good enough? Yeah, very good question there, Jamie. At Ben LOFC, he's just said, running out of people to blame now, Orient. Yeah, Nigel Ladd-White. I class today as a bonus game. If we got a point, great. Exeter were unbeaten in six games and bang in form. No surprise we got battered 4-0. And to finish off with the tweets on Exeter, at Latent Orient said, I think when Exeter City fans, and no disrespect, say we are that bad, we need to take a bit of a deep breath. <laughs> Loads of tweets from Exeter fans saying, you boys were shocking. Yeah, and not not the I first set of fans to say to that. To say either. that you're the worst we've seen it. Not the first batch of fans to say that. Terrible, isn't it? Yeah. So prediction league, nobody predicted four 0 to Exeter. In fact, most people predicted a win for Orient. Yeah. So there's a change. Absolutely, it's been a lot more weighted it against has. us than than for us. So. We'll move on then to Tuesday the 3rd of January, last week Tuesday. As we have known all along, the club confirmed that Zan Benedicic has left the O's and also confirmed that summer signing Josh Doherty has also left the club. Now, I don't know why it takes, and I'm not blowing our, our, our trumpet too much here, but why it takes for us to tell people, then the club think, oh, actually, we need to announce it. I presume why, why doesn't it, it just happen as a natural, right, you're going, we'll do that. It must just be instructions from, from above. 
I presume. I know, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, know, that, I don't yeah. doubt that. But, but Josh Doherty, not seeing him around, not yeah. heard from him since he returned from Altringham on the evening, yeah. November the 18th, 16th, yeah. something like that. Mid- so November. obviously we wish Zan and Josh all the best of luck. Yeah, I mean, Josh, Josh came as an under-21 Northern Irish prospect. international from Watford. So Don't see how we couldn't do without him, yeah. to be honest with you. Why we couldn't, Strange why we couldn't one, have him. So We'll see. We wish them players the best of luck, obviously. So Wednesday, 4th of January, um, the Guardian Orient and George Sessions both tweeted um, asking where we need to strengthen uh, and where the club needs to strengthen the squad. Uh, and a few players saying right back, is that right? Um, and asking what our thoughts were. So you're, so we're, so at this point, well, last week, where did you think we need to strengthen? Centre, I still think we need to get a strong centre, commanding centre back, someone in the midfield to create, um, Nigel's off form so I go for a defensive midfielder a winger because I don't think Semedo's um, right for us at the moment and a striker a striker yeah. that's going to score goals uh, a bit of a poacher I don't believe all either that we need to be spending money on transfer fees I think there's plenty of talent out there like the likes of Michael Collins who we found out of contract we don't really need to be paying clubs fees and we have been paying fees for certain players and I don't think we need to I think people yeah. have been mugging Mr. Bacchetti off with yeah. that. What do you think? Um, it's a bit of a tough one because there's so many injuries and we could bring in loads of players but then I guess once those players get fit then you'd have an over... You'd be over-squadded, if you see what I mean. So obviously everyone thinks we need centre-backs but then Mezegay and Parks have looked alright when they've been together. Obviously you've got Erico, Pollock, Hunt who can play centre-back. So obviously we do need more players in in pretty much every position but before you can do anything like that players have got to leave. And I just noted saying... If we're going to get anyone, all hinges on Jay Simpson leaving because we've got so many. But we've got got fifteen first teamers and then eight or nine youth. So actually, but, but all the youth have been stepping up into the first team, and the, and the youth are there to play now. The youth aren't there just for uh, to make up squad numbers. The youth are going to. They be have to be though because we haven't got a first team. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if we had another three or four players, that would put that up to nineteen and probably reduce the the youth and the pressure that would be oh, put absolutely. on the youth, which I don't think it's good for their development to be involved in it all the time, um, to, to, to reduce that level down and get them out playing regular men's yeah. football I mean, somewhere I still else think, in a better environment. I still think forwards is a tough one. Because even though Simpson has now gone, we'll come to that later, you've still got Palmer, McCallum, um, Bowery, Dorby. And, Dorby. and I still think you'd have to get rid of one before someone else would come in. I don't, I don't think, you, I don't think that you'd, you'd add to that. A le- a le- a left, I think the two priorities have got to be a left winger, massively, yeah. hugely. To replace Cox. Yeah, and a creative midfielder. Yeah. I would say Collins has done very well. Is he, is he going to create goals for you? No, I don't think so. Good player, good player, good for League Two. I don't think he's going to be a great attacking midfielder. He's not going to be a midfielder who's going to get you 15, 20 goals from midfield. No, I think or many or many assists. So we've already got Atangana who does that. I think we get seven or eight goals. Don't forget we've got Liam Kelly to come back as well. Yeah, which is a, which is massive, and that will be like a new signing when he yeah. appears. So that's true. Lots of uh, lots of things happening at the club. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's move on then. Thursday, the fifth of January, we were saddened to hear that former player Paul Went passed away at the age of sixty-seven. Paul, who played at centre-back, is the youngest player to have represented the first team as he was aged just 15 years and 327 days. So he was nearly 16. Yeah, wow. Um, many of our listeners may not have been around to see Paul play, but he came through the Orient youth team and made 50 appearances, scoring five goals before leaving the club to join Charlton Athletic in June 1967. 
That deal helped keep the club afloat. He played for other clubs but returned to Orient in on September the 7th, 1978, so it's probably before most of everyone who listens to this podcast were born, <laughs> and playing another 45, played another 45 games for the club, scoring a further three goals. Now, normally, we wouldn't sort of go on and on and on uh, about a player who's, who's passed, but um, Paul Wendt uh, has, been, has been brought to our attention. Uh, he, he was different, and, and although neither of us knew him, uh, Dave Victor um, caught up with two people from the supporters club. First up was Simon Feldman, um, who knew Paul well, uh, and I think it's worth just um, just just putting this out there so that um, in case you missed uh, missed it on on Dave Victor's show on BBC London or on uh, on Orient Play, it's worth worth hearing uh, about uh, what Paul uh, Paul Wendt was all about. And um, here's Simon Feldman from the supporters club. I'm with uh, Simon Feldman, who everybody will remember, who visited the uh, Lake Noyant Supporters Club, the gentleman that uh, looks after everything here. And Simon, you would know Paul better than most. What are your memories? He was a remarkable man, wasn't he, both on and off the pitch? Um, To be honest with you, I found him absolutely brilliant. I mean, he was a heart-from-the-heart player. He gave a lot to the club. I know he, he got sacked after... A poor run of results, but I'll never forget the the one that's thing that stands out in my mind. We went, we were away to Newcastle United, and he was on his, I think, the fifth game of his manager's career, and we went up to Newcastle, and there must have been no more than a hundred Orient supporters in there, of which about thirty of them were unlike just about 18, 19 years old, and before the game. It was before um, St James's Park was developed. They had this wire fence round, uh, which was normal in those days. And he came round, and a few of the lads, the younger ones, ran down to him to where he was passing on the track side of the pitch and wished him luck. And he turned round and he took five pounds out of his pocket and he put his hand through the bars. And one of the lads came over and he said, Buy the lads a round of drinks. Now, to me, that was fantastic. I was also, luckily enough, um, when Brian Winston was the manager at the time, when he unfortunately gave him notice, um, he said, you're not going to be too badly done by because I'm going to open a pub for you. And he did. Um, It was off the 414. It was roundabout between Bishopsdorfen and Dunmo. And we went there, and i never forget, it was in the evening it was opened. The pub was absolutely thronging with people. Brian Winston was in the car park directing the cars. It was pouring a rain. He had a pair of rubber boots on, which were no good and was leaking. We all went in, all the players were there, the team, and that's where he opened his pub. The White Swan, I think it was, or something like that. And I'll never forget that. They were my outstanding moments. He was a very funny man. He was a very good footballer, and he started his career very young here at Torian. Yes, he absolutely did. He was a 100% player. He gave everything. He's got a fantastic reputation. Uh, he actually was very good to the Lake Norwich supporters cricket team and also uh, to the Lake Norwich supporters club, making many appearances in here and also at the Starman events. We'll never forget him. May his soul rest in peace and our sincerest condolences to his family. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
So thanks very much um, there for, for that one, Dave. Uh, Dave Victor, uh, who sent us those. And, and, and you can just hear what, uh, what he meant to uh, some of the people at the, uh, at the football club. And here's um, Steve Jenkins from the Supporters Club as well, with also his thoughts on this. I'm outside the Supporters Club now with uh, Steve Jenkins. And Steve, it's been a sad week. It certainly has, yeah. We've all been saddened to hear about the loss of uh, an Orient legend, Paul Went, who was uh, well known for many years here on, with his uh, help uh, up in the uh, restaurants and bars with the, the uh, social entertainment and meet and greet people when they arrived for their meals prior to games and would always come up with some great anecdotes about his time at the O's. Such a generous man, such a safe, self-defacing man, a very dry sense of humour. Oh, definitely. Lots of unorthodox stories you'd come up with, like, you know, not just stuff on the Do you the remember pitch. any of them? Uh, well, no, I remember, remember his playing uh, style, that he was built like a brick outhouse, if you like, you know, and uh, um, the braces kit always comes to mind. He stood there, like, and the shirt was literally stretched over his, over his torso, like, you know, and uh, he would never take uh, falls gladly, like, and he, he, you know, he wouldn't take prisoners. He would really get stuck in. And we all, you know, many of us will remember his short period of time as manager when he stepped in, like, before, um, who was it now, the... Uh, Ken Knighton. Ken Knighton was, uh, came in to become manager uh, following Paul's uh, release from that role. Um, he stepped in at a really awkward time for the Orient. Uh, they were struggling then in League Two, the old League Two as we know it. Uh, but he did a good job at the time and uh, prior to that, as I say, I think he actually made his debut when he was under 16 years old. And I think I'm still right in saying he's, he's the youngest player to make a full debut at that age, yeah. Yes, he is. He also had some serious injuries as well, didn't he? He did, certainly. He had a terrible shoulder injury, I know that. And um, as I say, but he wouldn't, he'd never shirk anything either. If he was injured, you know it was serious. He would play with injuries and it's known, a lot of players did in, that, in those days, the 60s and 70s, would play with injuries but he was always one of the first back uh, in for training and back on the team sheet if he could and wouldn't you know would plead almost for people to uh, get him back in the side and it's not just at the O's but he was very well remembered as he is today as we're talking about him the likes of Portsmouth and Fulham where he also played um, but he come back to the O's and say having, having left the club and come back again it shows that the club was in his heart absolutely clearly very important to him and you'd know about the work that he did with the supporters club which was significant yes it, yes it certainly was particularly in our early days where we were forming up as facts in the uh, in the late 70s um, you know obviously he was still involved as a player then like you know but uh, he had a bit of a sideline he, he had his own pub I think it was the, the other side of Harlow uh, the whalebone I don't think that's there anymore Hatfield Heathway if I remember rightly and he used to invite all the supporters up there for darts tournaments and that like you know mainly to try and increase the business behind the bar for him but uh, it certainly um, went well with the fans and it built up a really good rapport. He was always one of those that would come into the bar and talk and you know, talk freely about things. He wouldn't hide anything. He said it as it was, as we all know to this day, that when he gave some of these stories that he mentions up in the uh, restaurant, he would uh, get people laughing by some of the unruly strange, and I'm not going to divulge them over the, over the radio on the air, some of the things that went on in the dressing rooms and in, in, the, in the showers and things like that, you know. So I think you can guess the sort of character that he was. He's going to be missed. Well, he certainly is, and uh, but we'll remember him as well for the great character he was on and off the pitch. Thanks, Steve. Thank you very so there's a, a good real feeling yeah. about Paul Went and as I say normally we, we wouldn't um, sort of give so much time uh, it's just worth mentioning uh, obviously people that have passed but, but obviously Paul Went was a bit of a different yeah. character and, and it's good to learn about players from the past so thanks again Dave Victor for providing us with those interviews yep so on the evening uh, on Thursday the club announced that Robbie Weir 
has been ruled out for the rest of the season. So Robbie came on as a sub against Exeter, got stretched off uh, after just playing 14 minutes. Scans confirmed he has an anterior cruciate ligament injury to his left knee. So Andy Edwards went on to say it's a massive blow to see Robbie's season come to an end in such fashion. He is a great captain to this club and he will be a big loss for us. We still also have Liam Kelly on the sidelines and it leaves us short of options in the centre of midfield. So obviously everyone here at our Outlook podcast however, wishes Robbie speedy recovery. Yeah. I mean, he's had a very disappointing Tough. season, I think, even by his own regard. You know, his performance pitch hasn't been great. No. He got a, very, a red card after 20 seconds against Plymouth. He's found it difficult, I think, as a whole. He's probably not settled. His family is still not local. Yeah. So... You know, I think he shares a house with Nicky Hunt. That might be quite traumatic. Just down as the well. road, isn't it? Yeah, just up the road. Debo. So that might be quite traumatic as well. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you just couldn't make it up, really, could um, you? Um, to be fair, um, you know, Paul McCallum might be able to offer him some advice. I don't know if he's in touch with Dean Cox at all, but the ACL crew can uh, yeah, absolutely can good, pass good, on some wisdom, some words of wisdom. So let's move on then. Saturday, the seventh of Jan, um, the under 18 suffered their first league defeat. Out of the season, they lost 3-0 to Wimbledon at home. So It's probably because they were all on our bench or playing for us, for the most part. Because it, 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 it was said, it was a very inexperienced under-18 team who lost and who played, having already won the league. And I think most of those players are pretty much now around our first team. So, that is what it is, isn't it? It's yep. just experience for more players to come That's through. It. So, Barnett at home. Yep. Um, team was announced of Chizak in goal. And back uh, four, Hunt, Parks, Erico, um, and Mezegay. And Kennedy, Atangana, Collins and Massey with Karoma making up a five-man midfield with McCallum uh, up up front by himself. So subs, Sam Sargent, Pollock, Judd, Moncur, Nomo, Bowery and Palmer. Yep, two changes from exit from the Exeter team as Josh Karoma comes in for his first league start and Teddy Mezegay returns from a groin injury. Freddie Moncur is named on the bench having been recalled from his loan at Bishop Stortford and Ulrich and Nomo is named on the bench following injury. Now to me... It was interesting that Bowery and Palmer on the bench mm-hmm. and Andy Edwards seems to have gone with a slightly different formation, which I quite like a lot. Yeah. I think it looked to me like, and I think you you as well, a 4-2-3-1, which I was really Absolutely. quite... I was quite happy about. That's my preferred formation because it allows people to attack and people to defend. Yeah, and absolutely. You should never be stretched. It'll never be too stretched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I thought I thought we I thought that was good. I, I, I like agree. That. Yeah, different, but I like it. Uh, best formation I know to play with, with the players available. Yeah. Um, the only thing with that is I think if you're going to play the one up top you need someone who's really going to run so you need more of a Palmer than a McCallum but then it, we come down to the same argument we've been having on this podcast for the last six months isn't it mm. do you have someone who runs their butt off or but he's unlikely to, to get, get you goal. that goal yeah. or someone like McCallum who doesn't run a lot but we give him a chance that's they'll the probably f- score it that's that's the flip of the coin that you make, isn't it? That's the gamble. Yeah, that's so, true. match kicked off. After a minute's silence for Paul Went was a lively uh, opening period with both teams looking looking quite good. Barnett looked well drilled and you could see their game plan was to put diagonal long balls into a kindy. I mean, that's pretty much the Barnett That's what they're doing, isn't there? Six yeah. minute, Karoma cut inside. Um, just outside the box, had a shot. Didn't have that much power on it, but was going into the bottom corner, so their keeper uh, powered it away. Yeah, uh, their keeper was um, substituted straight after that, uh, or soon after that, yeah. um, and we were getting lots of long throw-ins uh, taken by Paul McCallum, but really the one man you'd want to be on the end of these would be Paul McCallum. Yeah, so, but unfortunately, he's the one taking it, because he, yeah. he needs to be the one getting himself in there. Um, 25th minute, Mezegay got booked for sliding in late on Vilharte. Um I thought Teddy was doing a decent job playing in the mid. They were, yeah. doing, they were just doing their best... 
to kind of stop the supply going into Kinday, and they were they were doing well midfield. I thought both. Um, yeah, and our and credit where credit is due. I thought Erico was marshalling a Kindy well, very well. Yes, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So twenty eighth minute, um, good save from Alex Chizek as he pushed uh, Akinola's half volley behind for a corner. Yeah. Akinola sadly had far. We gave him far too he much did. time. The ball kind of bounced. The ball kind of bounced. He just kind of. Had the time Ran to bring it, it down, it, like, yeah. to kind of hit it where you want. That's it to been hit. endemic throughout a whole season. We stand off and wait for them to do something rather than put them under pressure. But when we have the ball, they're straight on us. They're yeah. like a rash. Yeah. They're all over you. Thirty third minute, Akinde, who was starting to get more into the game, more and more was looking lively. Shrugged off Parks and shot low, but his shot was well saved by uh, by the feet of Chizek. Yeah, thirty eighth minute, Akinde gets the better of Erico, then slips before getting up and firing wide. A big bit of a let off. Yeah, there really us, big let off. I mean, when you watch that back, he, that was literally like an inch from going in. He should have scored that. Yeah. We were really lucky there. Um, and then the 43rd minute, Chizak done really well to push Phil Hete's shot around the post. He's got, he was quite good there, Phil Hete. He's got quite yeah. quick feet, done really well and a good save. And at this point, Barnett were well on top uh, and Chizak was keeping us in the game and we were just kind of hoping that the half-time whistle would come sooner rather than later at this, at this point. Yeah, so half-time did come, nil-nil. Yeah, um, I thought it was I thought it was a decent half, yeah. uh, but we offered very little going forward. Like we said, in a four two three one enables you to go up front, but you need that three and that one to be creating all kinds of mischief that they weren't really doing. Yeah, but we looked solid with, with the four and the two. Chizak made some good saves. Hunt looked good again. I think it's been Mister Reliable this season. Yeah. Nigel, it's not the same player he was. Um, no, he's been really off the pace, isn't he? I'm really surprised. Yeah. I'm disappointed. And because he's my favourite. And I just know man. that McCallum didn't do much running for a low man up top. Yeah. I, I guess you need that that front man to 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 run in himself into the ground, and McCallum ain't going to do that. Interesting. There's an email that we're going to read out and viewers oh, yeah, yes. and listeners yes, 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 later. Yes, yes. So we'll, we'll we'll say less about that. Uh, the attendance was four thousand six hundred and forty-two and seven hundred and thirty away fans, which I think is more than their average, but still not great. Not great for a London, for a no. local for a local game. Second half kicked off. There were no substitution or changes at half time for the O's. Yeah, fifty-six minute Massey ran across the pitch and seemed to have the ball his feet for ages before going back and outside and inside. But there was literally nobody doing anything ahead of him to run. So he took a shot from outside the box um, and curled it over the bar. Yeah, and then on the 63rd minute, the Barnet corner isn't cleared. Cross comes in and Chisak spills the shot and their 100 grand signing, Ricardo Santos, tapped in. That 100% Chisak fault. Um, for me, he's kept us in games and kept scorelines respectable for us. So I'm certainly not going to be digging him out as... Reading a, quite a few people um, digging uh, Alex Chisagat saying he's not as good as what everyone makes out to be. He's carrying a bit of timber, yeah. he's putting a bit of weight and whatnot. Um, yeah, he slipped, he's got it on the floor, it's crept out from under him, he's reached around to get it again. And it's gone. And it's gone, and it's yeah. gone in the back of the net. Shame, but when you're a goalkeeper, you make a mistake. Absolutely. Everybody notices. You lose the ball up, up top, no one criticises yeah, yeah, you yeah, because yeah. it doesn't have an impact. Um, and I'm not sure if that ball, the outlet was, uh, and this is not digging him out at all, but Karoma. I remember Karoma was one of the outlets for for two of the goals and, and, and uh, him not getting to the ball in time meant that, I'm not sure if it was that one or their second. It was both, it was first and the yeah, second. Okay. So disappointing goal to concede and, and I agree with you in terms of, you know, Chizek made some great saves in that first half and <coughs> it would be unfair to dig Alex Chizek out there. Yeah, um, but disappointing. And then just two minutes later, 
It was 2-0 as Santos again tapped in for four yards following some great skill to be fair from their winger uh, Kai who easily beat Collins so another corner ball came out loose to Kai who just done Collins like that yeah, really did. easily dropped the shoulder and see you later pal yeah. got around the back of him crossed it in Santos head of his man easy finish no chance there for Chizak to be fair and again game over at this point could Karoma have done better getting, yeah, getting to Kai earlier yeah. but then Collins was completely done like a kipper much more experienced player Easily had done by him. So about a minute after that, Oli Palmer replaced Teddy Mezegay as we went to four four two. Yeah, seventy third minute, and Nomo replaced Karoma, and both Guardian or and George Sessions put out a similar tweet saying that this is what Andy Edwards has to work with. Yeah, very tough, very tough. Seventy ninth minute, glimmer of hope as Paul McCallum headed us back into the game after getting on the end of a Callum Kennedy corner, and it was a very quick goal. McCallum just straight back to the centre. Nowhere really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was one of those games where you just wait. You just thought it was going to finish two 0 and <laughs> it, it sounds really as exciting as how we've just described yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it was, it was probably one of the least engaging games I'd say I've been at in the last couple of years, just because of the mood and I don't know. It was a bit like once we were two 0 down, you sit there going, "We're not going to pull this back." S- silly mistakes. Even silly even two one, mistakes. you're thinking we're not going to pull this one back. To we've them. conceded six goals through our own fault. Yeah, they weren't good goals. They weren't good goals to concede and they weren't great goals to score, No, um, to be fair. Um, in the 82nd minute, Hunt gets back well to thwart Villette and prevent the winger from pulling the ball back to a man who is free to his left. So absolutely superb yeah, block was, by Nicky was, Hunt. He did well to recover and did very, very well. well. And five minutes of injury time were added and Barnett sealed the win as they made it 3-1. As they broke and counter-attacked, and I think it was about 4-1 or like 4-2. Ball came to uh, Jamal Campbell-Rice. He had all the time in the world, got onto his left foot, tried an outrageous lob. Um, and it was a great effort, actually. It was really unlucky it didn't go in. It beat Chizak, hit the bar. Our defender and Chizak were on the floor. Weston was running onto it and two yards out. Taps home the rebound. Yeah. 3-1, cue a mass exodus. Um yeah. The full-time whistle went shortly after as we slipped to a 3-1 defeat. Um, and we noticed, and you tweeted from your personal account, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. came over to the south stand. And said he was really, really to sorry. the fan and put his hand on his heart and was clearly saying sorry. Yeah. Uh, and this was met, I'd, I'd say, I'd say about 50% of people clapped him and the other 50% shouted at him. There was a couple down the front at the t- at the foot at the bottom of the stairs or the top of the, in, you know, with the st- top yeah. of the stairs as you go down from the south stand shouting something at him and someone said that they were giving him a bit of grief but um, which is harsh in one regard because the guys had the decency to come Absolutely. and say look that wasn't good enough Absolutely. I'm sorry yeah. uh, when he could have just walked off and said nothing and done nothing yeah, yeah. so um, Andy Edwards said post-match all of us connected with the club have to accept at the moment that we have to work with this group and as staff and supporters, we need to try and see the season through and make sure we're in this division. The last two games have proved how tough it is going to be, and we have to keep going, whatever the situation. Hopefully, we can stay up. I'm sure we can, and I still believe we will. So, Dulcet Dave, after the game, obviously interviews Andy as well, and he said, Andy said, that he doesn't know if he will be able to bring in new players, or even if he'll be able to extend Michael Collins' contract. He also said that he has spoken to the president about his targets, and some have already gone to other clubs, Amazing. And, that that amazes me. It's crazy. And he also said that other clubs around us are strengthening and we have to accept that we have to work with this group of players. But he did say we have some very good young players at the club, including Josh Karoma, but the current situation is asking a lot of them. That's so. exactly right, which is why we need four, probably four first-choice, first-team players yeah. and, and let the youth come in on rotation because it is too much... 
it's too much of a negative experience yeah. in their career. It could negatively impact their development. So I don't agree with keeping them in and all the time, as well as they can do or not do. They are opening. They are being open to unfair criticism. About the moment, there's nobody else there. I agree. I agree. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. League, league table, table then. Yep. Yeah. So that defeat means we slipped to 21st in League Two. So currently, play 25, won seven, drawn four, lost 14, 25 points, and the goal difference of minus 10. So now just four points above the relegation places, but with a much better goal difference than the teams below us. So goal difference isn't something to worry about at this moment in time. But minus 10 is shocking. It's it so is, but when you're, 20, when you're 21st in the league... And when you've it's, lost it's 14 not, it's out not as bad 25 as games, it's just so poor. So your views in, Mr Levy? Yeah, pleasantly surprised when I saw the team announced, and I'm a big fan of the 4-2-3-1 formation. Um, it enables free-flowing football when you're attacking, but also gives you options defensively. I'm also really pleased that Andy's mixing it up a bit and he has to give the threadbare squad that he has... Um, I, I, I start again. I'm pleased Andy's mixing it up a bit and he has and he has to, really, given the threadbare squad he has to choose from. I think some of the players let him down today by conceding two goals, which are poor from our point of view. Uh, Alex Chizak, as we said earlier, not usually one for silly mistakes, but him losing the ball really cost us probably gave them a bit of momentum as well the issue we have has been widely reported is that Andy Edwards can't strengthen the squad at the moment which is appalling and negligent management um, who will buy us in the conference I don't think Francesco Bacchetti will get a fraction of his money back if we go down again Yeah, um, that just can't happen um, and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later yeah absolutely so my views Shows you how far we've fallen, mate, in the last few years. We've yeah. only come to Brisbane Road and, and take a deserved three points, you know. I remember last season, they were the first game of the season at home. And you're like, we'll beat Barnett. You don't, you don't think about beating Barnett, you're like, we'll just beat Barnett. Yeah. And we did quite easily, yeah. you know. And that was only, that was less than a year and a half ago, so crazy, really. Um, we just looked so lacklustre, lacked an attacking spark, lacked that special something, you know, apart from Massey, there's no outlet. And if Massey has an off day or has three men on him and can't do anything, then... You're just looking at that team going, I don't know where the spark's going to come from or how yeah. we're going to create. We, we were bang average and Barnett were, were better than us and clearly fitter. I mean, you know, again, we looked, we just looked massively unfit towards the end of the game. Barnett still had loads of energy and we were finding it really tough. Collins, I thought, had a decent first half. Hunt played well, but the rest never got going. You know, like I really said, Atan Garner, disappointing. Parks again, not the best, but seems to escape criticism because he's next to Eriko. So, very disappointing. So again, loads of views came in after the defeat. We'll mention a few uh, of our selected ones. So from at Boatsy, so can't believe how poor we are. I must say we lack the fight, desire, heart and passion to stay in the football league. And it's all these same words again that you expect professional footballers or, or that you want them to have when they're representing your club that we don't seem to be having. Yep. At Wings Mad said, why can't we play Simpson? Best way for him to secure a move is play well and score goals. Is this Bacchetti meddling again? At I am underscore MO said the only thing that's going to keep point in the football league is Newport and the other teams worse than us. I agree with that. Yeah, at Jar underscore said Barnet fans chanting that's why you're going down shows how far we've gone backwards. They were non-league not long ago. They were. At Dear Stu said embarrassing 1-11. to No wonder McCallum didn't celebrate when he scored. It was awful. AE needs to bring in his own players my other observation today was I thought Teddy was very tidy in the middle of the park, really lost the ball and kept it simple. Yeah, Pank P007 tweeted saying, who were they playing for? Not us, not the manager, not each other. No one shouting or leading the cajoling, a new low. I mean, yeah, that's something you do notice, that the players don't tend to talk to one another on the pitch. There's no one 
Collins was shouting a bit, I noticed. Maybe, yeah. Mostly out of frustration. Oh, definitely. Um, and Kevin Cowlin said, feel sorry for Andy and Danny. Handed the poison chalice and now backed into a corner. Squad not good enough to survive. Thank you, Francesco. Yeah, uh, David De Hanu said, hate saying it, but going down might be the best thing for the club. Have a clear out and bring in the youth. But we have a clear out every can't, year. Can't go down. No, I disagree can't agree with that. that. Sorry, David. Can't agree with that at, at all. Chicken Orientals, first half looked positive and kept possession well. Heads dropped when goal went in as usual. Erico was the weak link at the back. At Orient Electric said, zero team spirit and too many poor players. Is there really going to be two worse teams than us come May? We definitely hope so. And the last week at Barnet from at DavidTH64301889 says, off the pitch madness aside, those players by one or two have no pride or professionalism. At 2-1, no one seemed interested. Awful. Yeah. We got an email uh, from Cliff. Uh, Cliff said, well, yet again, another disappointing home defeat. There were some positive things to be taken from today's game. I thought Collins had a good game as he was everywhere and Erico did not have a bad game considering how big their centre forward was. You can see Edwards wants us to play by spreading the ball wide and also neat passing football. Yeah, also went on to say, trouble is, as a team, we seem to get disjointed and let all our hard work go to waste as we get out of shape and worst of all, lose concentration, especially at the back, which of course costs us the game. I felt we had more of the play but failed to capitalise on our possession as apart from a number of long-distance shots in the first half, we didn't put their defence or keeper under any real pressure apart from the corner we scored from. Yeah, we used Paul McCallum for the long throw-ins but when you watch these throw-ins, they all go to the near post and no further. Therefore, a big defensive team like Barnet or Cambridge can easily deal with these which sort of defeats the object of the long throw. Yeah, I feel that part of our downfall is that we set out with a plan on how to play against teams but there is no plan B and we clearly have no one currently capable of changing things on the pitch or alternatively coming off the bench and having an impact on the game. Do you know what? That's a, that's a great point. No really plan B. Point. There no is plan a, B. Yeah. Although he did come on and do four four two, Yeah. And he changed it around. Yeah. So that's kind of plan B. Okay. Uh, Cliff finishes off by saying, we all know the problems we have as a team, but I do think, but do I think we'll go down? Absolutely not. I believe come the end of the season, we will just fall over the line with enough points to stay up. I also think that Newport County are going down and we are a better team than the likes of Cheltenham and Notts County. Do I believe Edwards is the right man to take the club forward? No, I don't. I just don't believe he's good enough to manage a team and make progress and improve us as a team to be challenging at the top of the table. Anyway, guys, keep up the good work on the podcast. Fine, good point. So your point, you know, anything that you want to get off your chest, send us a tweet, send us an email. You know, is Andy Edwards the right man to... Lead the team. Cliff doesn't think so. Do I you? think it's a bit harsh. Yeah, I think I think Andy's got a good, thorough understanding of how you should play football and how you can get the best out of people. <coughs> I just think, unfortunately, his hands are so badly tied. Yeah. Um, that that it's not coming across and it has a detrimental look or appear to look bad on on him. But I don't think it yeah. is. He's got a substandard squad to, to choose from, and you know. I can't think of an analogy that would go well with it. Mate, I agree with you. I think he's, he's definitely the, the right man at this time. Um, but already you've seen a, some fans sway away from Andy Edwards already, which is concerning. Obviously, Cliff yeah. feels the same way. I've seen, we did have other tweets saying that. and It's an interesting one. So after the Barnet game, we also received an email from Phil Reidlinger, who said, Hi guys, a thought from the Barnet game. I had the pleasure to have a meal in the Olympic suite hosted by EnergyBet and watched the match from the balcony. And from that height... I spotted something really interesting. From that elevation, you can clearly see the formation and tactics and the runs every player makes. What was crystal clear and quite worrying 
was how many Orient players were hiding. To hide in a game is easy. Delay run by a fraction and the ball won't get to you. From what I could see, Collins and Karoma were offering it up, but every other player was not. I coach under 10s football, and the one thing we teach our forwards is to keep on the move, move the defence about and find and create space for others. I counted four times when Collins berated the advanced players after he rode three or four tackles looking for a runner. I can now see how we have so much possession, but hardly any efforts. I'm not saying Bichetti is not to blame, as it is evidence that mistakes and poor decisions have been made. But however, until the players take some professional responsibility, the future is bleak. I hope and pray that Edwards can break the cycle and get the players hungry for the ball. These aren't players, if they want the ball, does not go down in this league. Thanks for the podcast. Phil, so great points there. Yeah. You know, a player's hiding on the pitch. You know, there is definitely Absolutely, a lack of movement are. and yeah. not many players want the ball. So well spotted there, Phil. And again, thanks to everyone who tweeted us. I'm sorry we can't read out every single uh, tweet. Yeah, absolutely. So, Prediction League update. Well done to Reedy QB9, CM Oriental, Strop underscore O, Simon Bedford, Dirt Turk, GForce underscore Shiv, Derby507, who all predicted 3-1 to Barnet. And extra kudos goes to Emo Havering and Leon Oresti, who predicted 3-1 and Paul McCallum to score. And you will get the bonus points. So there is no change at the top of the Prediction League, as Nino Barone 27 is top. At MP Allen, triple two is second. Full table is on our Facebook page. Thank you for all your predictions over the last two or three weeks. It is yeah. genuinely appreciated. Yeah, very good. So, fantasy football update. So, Elliot Hart, Free Pierce, leads the fantasy football league on 1,122 points. 33 points ahead of Barry Underwood. We won't talk about where I am. I'm in 36. You've dropped. I, do I, I need to, do you want no, me to? No, because it's my team. But. Um, over Christmas I missed two deadlines for doing the teams because of the way oh, the fixtures fell right okay so I went to do it on, on a Saturday or like on the day but because there'd been a te- televised match the night before it, it was all different oh no and one of those night, one of those weeks really cost me big style really yeah. but there you go you so lose 100 or 200 points off the back, off the back of that probably not happening I reckon I lost about 50 to 60 I had Hazard on the bench who scored um, I think Costa was on the bench it was one of those where you're just like oh but anyway, anyway, we uh, we digress. I so keep an okay. eye on our fantasy football. I will definitely f- try and finish in the top twenty. I think my championship chances are gone. But I think you never application for the next Orient manager vacancy <laughs> yeah. when it comes up are gone as well. So following the match, <coughs> some really interesting events yes. occurred. Um, Rumours started to emerge that the uh, Baskin Robbins were interested in purchasing the club because CEO Nigel Travis supports the O's and the company sponsor. The North Stand. So that's really interesting. I don't know how that started or where that came no. from or how it came about, but um, that's also very, very interesting. Well, there were various rumours that you know um, that takeover was happening on Saturday. So it wasn't just one one person. It was lots of people. Um, right, very d- different. I saw someone put in there. Someone from the WWE was. I saw people just making stuff up. Possibly, but I mean, this is Orient, so you never know. Who's but I mean, the fact that I mean the Baskin Robbins has probably got more legs on it because of the fact their CEO supports Orient. It's credible. It's, it's credible. More credible. It's more believable that the fact their CEO actually supports the club. Yeah, it could happen. So we don't we don't know anything. You know, we've had nothing confirmed to us about that, so we can't say if that's definitely happening yeah. or not. But something maybe to get excited about. I think a lot of people like the idea of maybe them coming in and obviously it's an English CEO obviously this Nigel Travis who supports Orient knows a bit more about history of the club but but more like a home character someone who knows the club anyone that is a Kessie I think is going to be welcomed by most at this stage 
Well, I think most people will take anyone who, who's got the got the dope. The dope they take to the Reaper if it meant that he wasn't interfering in the squad. Absolutely, he put so his money in his hand in his pocket. If we do hear anything, we will let everyone yeah. know. Additionally, uh, our sources have been busy at work and confirmed uh, that Francesco Bichetti does indeed want to sell Leon Orient, and no funds will be available for new players until further notice. So that is confirmed um, to us. So Bichetti is looking to sell, but doesn't necessarily mean he will sell. I guess it all depends if. Right he gets the right in. offer. I mean, it depends on. I guess it depends on how much money he wants, what he's looking for, what his expectation is of the club. Because obviously, he, he the money he's pumping into the club, he ain't going to get back all that amount. There's no chance he'll get. All or that if money he back. expects it to Absolutely. get back, is he going to get Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So although he's looking to sell, it could be a long, it could be a long uh, road until he does. But any developments um, we we hear of, and that we can 100% back the claim, then we will pull it out there as we always do. So, I mean, your thoughts on Bichetti? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the guy came here with great intentions. Um, I think he's employed the wrong people to run the football club. Absolutely. And I think that they've guided him very badly. He doesn't sit, He doesn't understand why we don't appreciate all the money that he's thrown at the club. And Vito said that at the fans' forum. He doesn't understand why that why we are not more grateful to him for the money he's put in, which yeah. shows you that he doesn't understand. They're, they're, he's either being he's being fed wrong information. So you know, look, I'm I'm not the biggest apologist for him at all. I'm not a big fan, but I think you have to look at those that he's employed to do jobs for him. You know, Rob Gagliardi hasn't brought in good players. Vito, as hard as he tries, isn't the right type of CEO. The communicate every there's so many different levels of wrongness at at, at the football club, um, and you know, a tweet, a message just come up. Newport have just signed uh, their their eighth player in, in in the transfer window. We've signed no one, so it yeah. just goes to show you, like other clubs hard at work, and we're and we're, we're, we're busy anything. letting everything go. Yeah, I think, so. I think I think you're right. I think Bichetti has the the main thing that Bichetti has done wrong his appointments have just been staggering since day one yeah. even going as far back as Mauro Milanese you know what was going on getting rid of Matt Porto uh, lack of engagement with the just, fans you can just you can, you can just you could rain it off all night really you know yeah. live around it's, it could just go on and on and uh, you know I, I think his best his, his intentions were for the best he hasn't, you know, no one would invest that amount of money to lose money and to become a dislikable character but fortunately I think that's the way it's played out and now I would say about ninety percent of Orient fans despise him. I would say, which is incredible, really, yeah. considering the amount of money that has gone into the club. But um, you know, anything that you want to say to us about Pachetti, give us an email, give us a tweet, get in contact on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Um, and in our next podcast, which we'll come on to in a bit, I think you know we'll get a lot of Pachetti comments. So yeah, Sunday the eighth of January, uh, a perfect start to two thousand seventeen for the ladies' team, who were back and won four and were away to Eastbourne. Uh, in the league, so goals from Eagle Trezzy, Ella Meadowcroft, uh, and Naomi Sterling, and Sophie Lemarchand. Uh, well done, ladies, and good to have you back in 2017. And at least we get to talk about one team that will win every week. Yeah. Um, so well done, and good to have you back. Absolutely brilliant. Monday, the 9th of January, George Sessions spoke to Andy Edwards, who had this to say about Sammy Moore. You, you remember know? him, you the, know? The, the chap at Dover? You know? You know? You know? Um, I envisage Sammy coming back, so that will be a plus for us. He has played a lot of games for Dover. The reports we've had back have said he has done well, so he will be a welcome addition to the squad. I mean, it's it's amazing now, like people looking forward and excited about Sammy Moore coming back because again, that will feel like a new signing. So, yeah. Beginning of the season, we're obviously signing Kelly and Robbie Weir had Nige, so Sammy was fourth choice. Obviously, went to Dover. Um, 
to get some first team football. Um, and now it looks like he's coming back. So yeah. so great news, and he's been playing regular football, so he should be fit um, to come in, and we believe it'll be ready for the Morecambe game uh, a week on Saturday. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he gets in the starting lineup, uh, which you imagine he would. Based on, I think so. Events so far, but an interesting one. So welcome be back, Sammy. To see him and uh, him and Collins in the centre. Yeah, but then maybe do, with do, Nigel. Do you sit Nigel? Do you or drop Nigel? Go four four two. So even though the squad it is better, I think you've still got different options when you get the players back. Yeah. Uh, and then at seven pm last night, the club announced that Jay Simpson has joined MLS side Philadelphia Union, subject to international clearance and visa. So Jay. Played 99 times for the O's, scored 36 times, so 25 goals last season. I mean, that was an amazing season, especially the first half under Hendon, where he scored 20 couldn't goals. stop scoring it. Whenever yeah. the match was one all in Simpson, so if, you know, prediction league had a few people who just won all Simpson <laughs> and just cleaned up. Yeah, um, but then so, it changed when Nolan came absolutely. in. Absolutely, no found it harder under Nolan. Yeah, and then since then, it's found it difficult. So thoughts on that? Great move for Jay. Good luck to him. You know, we were a much better late night when Jay was playing. Uh, in the side and he was always a threat and I shook his hand before the Stevenage match when we were doing the flag and we won 3-0 so that's all you need to know about that and I mean he did, he did score some cracking goals for us Plymouth away uh, last season Newport away last season Gillingham away this season uh, not Gillingham sorry Colchester away however you know we do now look quite light up front on his wages down with his contract up in the summer he was always going to move and I'm delighted he hasn't gone to another League 2 club or oh, I'm delighted he hasn't gone to Southend. I'm delighted he's gone to a big club. He'll be a big deal out there, I think. He's gone as like an international clearance player. So they can only get a few imports into that league and he's gone as one of those. So he'll be fine. And, you know, seen a few rumours on Philadelphia websites that he's gone for 125k. So if we've, got money, that, if we've got that, that's a good deal considering he's done nothing this season really and he's out contract in the summer. Very cool. Mixed feelings for me on this one. Yeah. Had one decent half a season under Hendon. Never really looked happy. Even when he scored sometimes, he didn't ever smile. Um, and when the midfield isn't supplying, he isn't the type of player to put in a shift and, and help create goals. Yeah, I agree with um, that. He's that type of player. He's a penalty box, six-yard box type player. You put it there and he, he will score. Sadly for us, we didn't do that enough. Having said that, he has got a lot of ability. He is a goal poacher. And apart from Hendon, uh, we didn't get to see the best of him. Yeah, good point. Good so, point. You so, know what I mean? It's it, it's a difficult one, though. Yep. Yeah, so we received an email um, from Steve, who lives in Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. he emails us saying, "Gents, as the assumed Lone Orange supporter living in Philadelphia, uh, it may amuse you to follow the comments." And uh, there's a uh, website, phillysoccerpage.net, which uh, has got a thread going on for on their forum about Jay Simpson. So interesting to read that one if, if yeah, you get the time. Not a lot of flattering comments. Yeah. They seem quite underwhelmed by him. Okay. Because I read a few. Yeah. yeah they're, they're not overly impressed. Okay. He wanted to say, that said, MLS will be perfect for Jay. He's younger than the typical former legit league striker moving to the States guy. So I think he'll be set up to succeed there. Actually gives me a reason to maybe pay some attention to the MLS this season. It's too bad their stadium is in one of the more terrifying parts of our area. Cheers, guys. Looking forward to the next pod coming imminently. Steve. So, Steve, thank you for your email. And I hope you get to see a goal-scoring Jay Simpson banging him in for the union. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. Join or die, I think, is their hashtag. Something which like is a that. bit of a harsh hashtag. Yeah. Now, my mate Robert, our mate Robert <coughs> lives out, out in um, New York, thinks that he must be on about 10 grand a week out there. He's probably... Probably 15, he's, 10 he's, to 15. He's got to be Oh, sorry. 15 to 20 grand a week, he reckons. As an import player, probably. 
Probably. So a great move for Jay. Great agent. I don't know who his agent is, but great work there from his yeah, agent. Yeah, fair so. play. Um, so, on to today, Tuesday the 10th of January, news breaks from a local Southend newspaper, I think it was the Echo, yep. that Andy Edwards has inquired about Southend centre-back and ex-Orient youth team player Adam Barrett. Phil Brown said he's waiting to hear back from Andy Edwards as he needed to speak to the board, and as always, if we hear anything concrete, we will let you know. I like Adam Barrett, because he's, he's older than me, and so he's making me feel a bit young again, so Adam okay. Barrett has just turned 37 in November. So I'm 36. And I'm still older than And when you see players like Sam Dolby playing, you're like, mate, what year were you born in? Yeah. I feel a bit younger. So yeah. uh, Barrett, not know so much about him, but a few comments on Twitter suggested that he's a bit of an old school defender, a bit like Mackey, will just get out, do the job, bit of a rough and ready centre-back. Bit of that we need. Bit of someone that we need. So, you know, I, I, hope, I hope that comes off. I hope anyone comes off, really, which would be good. So... That's it now. So moving on to our, our roundup now to come to the last part of the podcast. So we've got some positives and negatives. So we do still find positives. So <laughs> just first positive is that news that FB is looking to sell the club. Got to say that as a positive now, definitely. Uh, second positive is the emergence of youth players throughout the last few weeks. It's great, you know, if any of these youth players can go in and make it big in the next couple of years, you know, you've got to think we'll make a good amount of money out of them and see some better times at the O's. And lastly, as bad as it is to lose him having Jay Simpson off the wage bill will save quite a bit of cash a week and hopefully once this FB drama gets sorted out or whatever's going on, hopefully that money will be uh, reinvested even if a fraction of it goes into investment into Adam Barrett's wages or whoever. Yeah, that could be, that could be a big difference between getting no one in and getting one or two players yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. No, negatives of the week, uh, negatives of the, of the podcast really. Performance against Barnet, especially the goals we conceded, getting thumped by Exeter, uh, obviously a negative the situation with our owner not putting in um, yeah, for this so, January yeah. transfer window lack of squad depth uh, again no funds for new players Jay Simpson leaving injury list growing now that Robbie Weir's on it so sadly a lot more negatives than there are positives but there are some green shoots of potential um, positivity uh, to, to, to think about uh, at the club absolutely so, so we do have a hero of the festive uh, new year period yeah. man who's Probably been working uh, his socks off. Yeah. Um, as probably as disappointing as anyone. So, our hero of the festive New Year period is. It's got to be Andy Edwards, you know, doing doing his what he can do best with, you know, no resources, not speaking to the chairman in a very tough time for the club. So, well done, Andy. It's much appreciated by everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the club, you know, we, we hope you can turn it around. And... Yeah. So, next week's fixtures. So, uh, just to bring this. <coughs> Bumper episode to a close. Yeah. Uh, just the one fixture on Saturday, we travel to Fratton Park to face Portsmouth. It'd be a very difficult game because yeah. they're they're in fourth spot in League Two on forty two points, chasing automatic promotion. I watched them play against Doncaster last week. Good game. Good good squad they've got there. Um, will be very very tough for us if we get something out of it. It will be a miracle. They'll be up there, Portsmouth, in the same hundred percent. They'll be playoffs, but they they are they are prone to the. Random home defeat. Yeah, what is what I will say. Hopefully, they seem to lose more at home than they do away. Um, we beat them there, and it's and we beat them. Yeah, with Joe Mackenough. You were there. Yeah, yeah. Goal. I was there behind that goal. I think goal yeah. of the season. That wasn't it. Yeah, it was it first or second goal yeah. of the season? So, so you know, leave it to you. So oh, leave it to me. Then. So, yeah, okay. you do it. Okay, so that's it. So thanks for joining us for episode eighty nine. It's been a long one. But what a couple of weeks it's been. So what started off well on Boxing Day with a 3-2 win versus Crawley ended with two losses 
as we conceded 10 goals in our last three matches. So Andy and Danny clearly have their work cut out, especially if the owner isn't backing them uh, in this very important transfer window, which could define the future and well-being of our 135-year-old club. So Jay Simpson has left the club, obviously subject to him getting a visa. Sammy Moore will rejoin the club after his Dover loan ends on Saturday. And the squad is spread, but at the moment we're only 15 senior players with the rest made up of juniors. It's vital that we support the boys during this very tough period and hoping for a bit of luck too. So if you're travelling to Portsmouth on Saturday, we wish you a very safe journey and hopefully you'll see three um, points, three points well. and another cracker. I'll take 1-0 and a defensive ball all day like part the bus type type display. Wouldn't mind that. We'll, we will be back next <coughs> Sunday night with episode number 90 and we want to hear from you. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have people phoning in and we're going to have you take the floor for no more than two and a half minutes and you will be able to talk about anything Leighton Orient related, whether you want to moan about Bacchetti, whether you've got points about the buyout, whether you've got options on the player, opinions on the players or who we should get in, etc. Whatever you want to talk about Leighton Orient related, um, you will have a time limit of two and a half minutes. We will just stop you if you decide to carry on ranting. Um, obviously, this is a family-friendly show, so leave your swearing uh, at the front door. And, um, yeah, that's what we're going to look for. So yep. get in touch with us. We are orientoutlook at outlook.com. Email us with your name and telephone number and let, letting us know that you are uh, available next Sunday evening between half past seven and half past eight. Yep. And, or, or you can um, DM us on Twitter. We are at orientoutlook on Twitter. Um don't recommend using Facebook, putting your phone number on Facebook and stuff, but certainly by, by yep. private means, let us know your name and your telephone number and confirm that you're available between half past seven and half past yep. eight next Sunday evening. Yep. So, so that's going to that, be... That, that, that's a wrap. Yeah, that's episode 90, so we're looking forward to it. So we'll cover the week, we'll cover the Portsmouth game and then we'll have our phone in live on the podcast. So looking forward to that. So yeah, that's it. So a great episode. It's been long, but it's been emotional as always. <laughs> so we we'll look forward to hearing from you you know it's only four days to the next one so listen to this now thanks for listening and sticking with us for an hour and a half and keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast yep up the O's see you next week here's a little song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy Every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy